0: Bavaha, bava-ha, which is, of course, Belarusian for acting Achtung. The country now known as Belarus, um, had a particularly brutal war and is worthy of a whole pod at some point. We, I mean, the thing is, is, there's just so much to talk about, and uh, we haven't yet written down a list of all the things we've already talked about, have we? we need yeah, to we do don't want to repeat point. ourselves, do we? Yeah. Don't we like no. a man? No, <laughs> Oh, there goes James again, banging on about Whatever. <laughs> Uh, uh, Belarus provided much of the battleground for the war uh, on the Eastern Front for a variety of complicated reasons. It actually contributed men to both the Soviet and the Nazi armies, but more on that another time. Now, James, um, it's rare that we're topical, because after all, we're talking about history. Yes. But there's a, I, I, I don't know if it's escaped your attention. There's a general election on. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not another
1: one. I know, God, blimey. God, i got to put hey. my tick in. That's, that's going to be a tricky decision, isn't it? <laughs> God almighty. The choice of crap, really crap, oh. or absolute
0: rubbish. Well, anyway. 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 No, uh, but we're not here to talk about that election. No, no, we, we're not. No, The 1945 election is a thing. Yes. I mean, to, to be honest, I mean, this election, there are it, it, um, certainly the Labour Party seeking to reflect the spirit of 45. Um, of the of the famous Attlee government and all yes that. um yeah, yeah, probably yeah. without the NATO and atom bomb bits but but this election is a fascinating thing and a, and a and a wellspring of um historical theorizing and uh uh positing of explanations because yes. after all it's Winston Churchill our world's greatest Britain, you know poll yep. winner every time yeah the yeah. the the, the, the the man who coined all those amazing phrases about the the few and fighting on the beaches and who leaded us out, and led us out never never surrendering and led us out of our finest hour blah 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 loses an election in 1945 and 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 labor expect to lose to the point where they've all booked their bed and breakfasts um uh atley I think I think I'm right thinking atley had booked a bed and breakfast and was going away on a holiday and had to basically be told no, 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 you've won. Come, come to Downing Street. It's the it's it's a fascinating election. It the is khaki, and, and to so many election. people.
1: The Khaki election, and so many people, it just seems just so unbelievable. You know, how yeah. can, how could Churchill possibly lost this? And you have to remember that that actually he's never been elected Prime yep. Minister at that point, you know, because nope. when he takes over in, in May 1940. It's because the previous prime minister Neville Chamberlain has resigned, been sort of pushed into a corner, um, a bit like Theresa May was the other day, Um, and 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 he's been, you know, he's become prime minister, but he's all those wartime years,
0: he hasn't got a, 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 he hasn't got a mandate from the people to do that. Well, first of all, I mean, first of all, he doesn't become leader of the Conservative Party until the autumn of 1940, anyway. No, Chamberlain uh, uh, stays on. Chamberlain stays on, so you have this peculiar this peculiar. M- m- manoeuvring because mm. after all um, at that point you didn't have to be leader of the Conservative Party to be, to be the Prime Minister no and and Churchill Churchill had spent the 30s because after all he crossed the floor twice Churchill was not popular within the Tory party no he uh, uh, there you can argue that one of the reasons he got the job in 1940 was because people thought well he can carry the can for this when it all goes wrong uh, excellent, and and that and that you had the the actual Conservative Party would be able to wash their hands of him if he didn't work out.
1: Yeah. So and, and, so and actually, what's really interesting about during the war years is you know Parliament is is being governed not very democratically at all, not no. least because of who's Prime Minister, but also just the way they you know there's uh, there's you know it is a it is a national government, so there's a a mixed party war cabinet. Um, yep. It's not a Tory government, um, and they just. Do what they like, basically, um, yeah. and decisions are made without any kind of reversion. There's hardly any votes in in Parliament, uh, in the House of Commons about
0: stuff. Yes, there's stuff. a couple of there's a couple of um, attempts at no confidence votes, which get nowhere, which uh, get nowhere. But but you have got you. But what's interesting is you've got Labour Labour come into coalition. They then they refused to they refuse to do it with um, Chamberlain. Um, they accept there's you know they accept there's a war but they but, but they don't come in as a, yeah. in coalition there are limits so, so so what what Churchill does is he brings labor into, into government properly so at least deputy prime minister morrison's home secretary and greenwood gives, so, and greenwood is um is in the war cabinet to start off with as well that's right and bevin bevin is brought in to 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 run uh labor right to, to to deal with the unions and to deal with uh um uh, what you do about employment and how you keep employment on track because after all you need you need to re-gear the economy to to make it airplanes and munitions you also you also need uh, you've also got a shortage in um young men obviously because they're going in they're going to the armed forces you've got to bring women into the workplace uh, and, and what happens is you get wage inflation because people in jobs are, are, are suddenly worth more, you know, work's worth more because it's under more demand and it's higher pressured economically. So you get these, you've you, you got, so what you've got is a conservative-led government trying to run an imperial campaign, but inside that government, shelled inside it, is a Labour, a, a set of Labour people who are thinking, right, we can uh, move things along in our general direction, um, as part of the war, and after all, arguments about planning when there's a, a when the war's on, uh, about planning things nationally and about nationalisation, creep into the national debate because they inevitably would because you're being asked. You, you know, it's not the 30s anymore. It's not. Uh, it's not a, a, a post Great Depression capitalist attempts to find solutions to problems. It's it's labour in government. to to some extent Uh, and churchill doesn't want anything to do with this churchill is not interested in reforming he's he wants to put it all off he wants to delay it and he and and that that's his sort of signature move with all of these these tricky things that the tricky old tory questions of uh, labor of what you do about uh, 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 workers rights of what you do about education of what you do about um India as well. He's just trying to, he's trying to, he's basically, his whole thing is, look, let's just get through this war first. And then afterwards, we'll solve all these problems. And Labour aren't prepared to wait. The people in the Labour Party who aren't prepared to wait for this. But he puts it off for a couple of years. Then he commissions the beverage report. Yeah, which is commissioned by Churchill and, and yeah, that's and he and, does and, commission uh, this, but under huge pressure from within uh, the government. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. But
1: but there is the reason he chooses beverage is because beverage is an old colleague of his and he's used it yeah. a number of times in the past, not least to kind of set up the first labour exchanges when he's a liberal yeah. home secretary yeah, 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 in yeah. the first year in the first decade of the um twentieth century. I think the first labour exchanges come in nineteen oh nine, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and that is a Churchill stroke beverage. Initiative and Beveridge is this is politically neutral on the face of it. Um, he, he's supposed to be the world's most boring man, um, yeah. but he's this great economist. And what he does is he isolates these these ills of of modern society, of modern society in the 1940s. Want, yes, idleness, yes, uh, all this stuff, yeah. And he's yeah, so wife, I mean, what he means by want is, wife, is wife, he means he means, but but an idleness doesn't mean you know you idle tyke. It means. Unemployment, basically, yeah, 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 not having enough employment, yeah. and yeah. and although they have slightly archaic
0: phrases because he is, after all, effectively a Victorian. But, he, but his but wife they, they, wrote. They, but he got his wife to write the introduction, and she put so the flowery language. This language is right. hers. So oh, is report, that, uh, yeah, okay, that's yeah. Interesting. So the reports written by him, all this sort of very dry sort of yes. economic solutions to things, but the but the framing of it, she wrote. And so yes, but but, but, what
1: but what he says is, is everyone should have right to kind of free, you know, to yeah. have decent health. Everyone should have have employment. Um, everyone should have decent food. I can't remember what the other ones are, but but he comes up with these these things, and and out of this, of course, is is the embryonic notions of a, of a of a welfare state and particularly yeah. a, a national health service. And what's really interesting is when it's debated in the autumn of 1942 in Parliament, you know, what should we do about this? Actually, it is the Labour guys who are saying, don't publish it yet. And it is the Ministry mm-hmm. of Information, uh, I think under Duff Cooper at that point, uh, who's saying, no, we absolutely, 100% should publish this. And they do yeah. publish it. And there's queues all around down Whitehall to get to the, uh, His Majesty's Stationery office, which is where this stuff is published. Yeah. And a copy of uh, of the beverage report is sent to every single British servicemen no matter where they well, are.
0: Well, and what is um,
1: interesting is 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 how much that hits a chord and, and it is being discussed because in the letters and diaries that I've looked at from the summer yeah. of 1943, whether it be in India um, and, and in Bengal or whether it be in Sicily, you can see people talking about it. They're, it crops up time and time again in letters home and in diaries. It's really interesting.
0: Well, so one of the things we're talking about here is ABCA, so the Army Bureau of Current Affairs, which, which um, the, the Adjutant General... Adam sets up because they have a real, pro- there's a real problem with the army compared to the Navy and the air force, which is that the army is sa- apart from the uh, uh, um, possibly eighth army in North Africa. In general, the army is sat on its ass with nothing to do. And, you have this fascinating thing where there's an attempt to get the Air Force to do this. And APCA's set up so that what you do is that the soldiers are explained to them why they're fighting the war. They haven't explained to them what's going on. And there's there's an idea that, that and, and this becomes hugely contentious because it's seen as a sort of socialist plot and all this sort of stuff. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, an attempt to, to indoctrinate men in socialism and you know this kind of right-wing bogeyman idea that the moment you start educating people you're trying to fill them with left-wing ideas you know that 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 that, funnily enough is still doing the rounds now but what's really interesting is is bomber harris right he's approached about having a similar thing for the air force and he says uh, no, uh, the RAF's got a water fight. The problem with the army is it's twiddling its thumbs. And the Navy also, because both the army and both the Navy and the Air Force are basically running high-intensity operations for the length of the war, whereas large chunks of the army are sat around training or preparing or waiting for their moment. You know, certainly 19, 19, 1941 to 1943, there's an awful lot of men, in 1944, an awful lot of men in England doing nothing. In the in the army, essentially, and and so one of the ways of remedying this is they set up the ABCA and they set up the army right. education unit to try and to try and engage soldiers intellectually and try and yep. you know get get them thinking about and then and the beverage report lands smack in the middle, in the of, middle this, of all that yeah. of this innovation, so you get you get this stuff with you know uh, uh, education officers having talks with men, and in Cairo, they form, at one point, there's a parliament formed, um, uh, 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 you know, as an exercise by... by an officer and this officer had run for a party called commonwealth that was a that was a sort of a bit like the tig you know it was an independent group in the war that tried to run for some seats and failed and this officer goes to the the the, the middle east sets this thing up they have a parliament the parliament the soldiers parliament then votes for a labor government and the army shuts it down and uh, uh, because because it like it's confirming the idea that these socialist ideas have have got their you know have got their boots on and are, and are, and are getting into army thinking. I and mean, it's a really, really, really fascinating time. The two uh, and, and when you look back from 1945 you and the result of that election, actually, you can see perfectly well why it happens. You can see perfectly well why Labour win. And and Yeah, I just also think that,
1: you know, the Beveridge Report is just coming out of this really, really interesting period because it comes out in the middle of the war. And already the war has been going on a long time. And although the tide has turned, you know, you know that the kind of the, you've got the Nazis on the run and, and, and all the rest yeah. of it. it. It's also absolutely clear that it's not going to be over by Christmas. And there's still no. a hell of a long way to go. So you've got this very difficult situation where you've got morale that needs massively improving. You know, get, winning over morale in the Far East is a massive, massive problem because, yeah. you know, people are seeing the Japanese as supermen and, and, you know, unbeatable and all the rest of it. So you've got to turn that around and you've got to give people hope, even though... Ultimately, you know the war is going to be won, and the same, you know. Let's think about what's going on in the summer of nineteen forty-three. I mean, you know, you've got um, on the Eastern Front, you've got Kursk, and the kind of last time the Germans go forward um, in in. Uh, you've got um, more advances in the in the South Pacific. You've got um, the monsoon in in Northeast India and in, in Burma, and the yep. battle there going absolutely nowhere. Um, in the Mediterranean, you've won the uh, you've won the Battle of the Atlantic, and you're you're doing the um, Sicily invasion and thinking about what next and all the rest of it. And it's got this point where Allied firepower is also causing a huge amount of chaos um, yeah. in in Europe. You know, so. The, the whole kind of moral crusade thing is starting to be questioned a little bit it just comes at this absolute really interesting moment you know if you think about sicily for example which obviously i'm i'm thinking about a lot at the moment you know literally every single town where there are germans and italians gets Pulverized. Yeah, you know. At the same time, the strategic air offensive is on the is on the rise. You know, we're talking about serious yes, heavy bombers. Yes, End Kevara, of July, Kevara you've Kevara got happens. Operation yes. Kabara and all yeah, the rest yeah. of it. So suddenly, there's an awful lot of you know, and you've got a lot of people sort of thinking, God, you know, I'm a bit pissed off of this, uh, and and you've got, to, and you're starting to turn your attention to the future, and you're starting to think to yourself, this has got to be worth something. There's got to be a better world that emerges yeah. out of this mayhem, out of this chaos. And that's why I think the Beveridge Report is so incredibly important. Because it's 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 giving you hope, not only hope that you're going to win the war, but it's giving you hope that actually there is going to be a land fit for heroes when you come back. It's not going to be yeah. like the, the total shit show it was in the 1920s when they came back from the First World War. That actually, the world is going to be a better place. Britain is going to be a better place. Yeah. And frankly, it is. And what is really interesting is that having... In the in the debates in the autumn of 1942, said no, I don't think we should push the Beveridge report. This is the Labour Party. Yeah, when it comes to the election in the kind of you know the, the late spring, early summer of 1945, Labour suddenly go hang on a minute, you know, we might have been against it then, but we're all for it now, let's use it. And, of course, for Churchill, Churchill is just thinking, I've got a war to win, I've got, I've got a post-war deal to be done, I can't be doing with yeah. elections, I've got better yeah. things to think about. And, frankly, he has got better things to think about than going around electioneering, you know, and... Uh, and that is why it happens. It's that combination. But the seeds, absolutely, for the for the for the Khaki election, go back to and the result definitely go back to the Beveridge report and that decision yeah. to publish it. Well, and, and send it to every service. Well, and
0: and then in its wake, you get that you get a lot of you get you get a lot of discussion. But I mean, you, where it looks like. Uh, uh, like you say, like, so labour labour hold back on it to start with, and then you get this push-pully, and you people like Cripps in the mix as as well, St- Stafford Cripps, who's this sort of ascetic, ascetic intellectual, um, uh, former communist, kicked out of the Labour Party, political independent, who Churchill brings into the cabinet. Because I mean, the cabinet, the the the, the walk or the cabinet in the forties is a fascinating sort of mix of. Oddballs and, um, uh, and technocrats, and, and outriders and technocrats, and and maverick scientists, and expats and uh, exiles, Lord Charwell, and all, and people yeah, exactly, like that. and all these sort of very strange people. But but there is so much debate about the Beveridge Report that but by the time the election comes in forty five, Churchill's Churchill's uh, neglect of it and uh, inability in to debate it properly. Is, is is a big factor and also you get this feeling amongst people well you've done your job well done thank you very much we now need something fresh and new um because we're not at war anymore it's a pe- it's a peace now and your that your speciality's war and we need something else for the peace. You, you,
1: you,
0: you, yeah. I mean, also... Well, you, well I mean, we've,
1: got, we've got peace in Britain, that's the point. I mean, we're well, still yeah. at war, obviously, against Japan, but we've got peace in Britain now. And people are looking ahead, and they're thinking, OK, so what What were we fighting for? What was the point yeah. of it all? You know, and, and there was no question that the 1930s were a period of appalling inequality. Yeah. And what you get out of that is, you know, of course, the the the, the ills of the past have not are not solved by the arrival of the welfare state or anything but they are massively improved and and there is no question that the NHS when it first is launched is is a is a beacon for the free world of yeah. what can be done and what should be done
0: yeah right well uh, i mean the cockie election is is such a fascinating thing and um but a, a face value thing well how how the hell did this happen but um there's such a big such a it's the real tip of the iceberg event that you think oh there must what is going on under here yeah it's it's um it's arguably churchill not giving a toss about anything else (laughs) but it is also i'm afraid it is also
1: it is about educating people you know and and one of the questions that you know that people say today is well you know how how many of our voting who people will vote how much do they actually read you know about what's on offer you know how yeah. much is it all just you know you're picking up on sound bites and how much is it reading? you know what is what is really really interesting about the 1945 election is that people are voting because they have been reading literature that has been issued by the government of the national government mm-hmm. i.e the beverage report and others uh, and they have been doing this 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 education program and so people are much better informed when it comes to making their decision yeah. and also they've they've emerged out of their you know the, 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 they're in you know particularly um, you know they're in situations where they wouldn't have normally been had there not been a war you know they're all yeah, together yeah, yeah. in factories that, they're all together the, on the front you know on the front the, line you know and, the and, there's, a, isn't and there's, a, there's a mixture of societies a mixture of backgrounds which are all being flung together in a way that wasn't possible before and I think that is again is, is all part of that kind of education process yeah. and that is why you have possibly the very best informed electorate ever at an election. I may be yeah. talking absolutely nonsense about that, but I don't think I am. I think I think I'm right about. Well,
0: that. Well, maybe best informed wrong, but most engaged.
1: I would say get engaged and informed because yeah. because you know if you're if you're a serviceman and you're 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 out you've already been away for two years and suddenly you're being sent the beverage Report, which is this vision of post-war. I mean, what else have you got to do? You haven't got an iPad to play on. You know, yeah. you haven't got sort of box set of Game & Froze to get well, for the next battle. Well, it comes back to the, the fact the army and, and, is sat- and, 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 they've been, and they've sent it to you. Of course yeah.
0: you're going to read it. Yeah, so it comes back to the fact the army is sat on their arse a lot of the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, even when you're at the front, you're. I mean, everyone yeah. always says, you know, it's kind of nine-tenths boredom yeah. and one-tenth yeah. one, one kind of, you know, terror.
0: <laughs> right, but, yeah. then, time, time for us to take a short break. When we return, we'll move on from the political chit-chat and talk about tanks. Yeah, Sherman come on. tanks. Let's get geeky. Come on. Yeah, yeah. See you in a second. Hello there, We Have Ways listeners. It's Al here. I have a small favour to ask. Now, you may have noticed on social media in recent weeks that I've been campaigning on behalf of DKMS.org.uk, trying to get people to register as blood stem cell donors. I'm doing this because my nephew Finley has been diagnosed with a very rare blood cancer. He needs a blood stem cell transplant. And so do thousands of other people. Now this is where you come in. All you have to do is go to dkms.org.uk, fill in the online form, and they'll send you a swab pack, three swabs that you rub around inside your cheek, so you can send back your data that can go on their register. And then maybe one day you'll be picked as a match and give someone a second chance and maybe even save their life. Thanks very much for listening. Right, well, welcome back to We Have Ways. Um, I hope you enjoyed our election chat. Um, I mean, off air just then in the break, um, uh, one of the guys who works on the podcast was going, I never knew he'd lost the 45 election. Because you just think Churchill... How could Churchill? How could Winston Churchill lose a general election? Well, quite quite clangingly as it happened. I mean, one of the he things in the campaign, course. Yeah, of course, he came back. We, you know, uh, and the British public ran out of love for the for the Labour government quite quickly. But but he he famously in the campaign he described the Labour Labour Party's plans as being like the Gestapo, and it, and that played very very badly. Yeah. politically, so he went too far with the rhetoric. Anyway. Um, T writes to say to us I've legitimately signed up to Twitter after finding your podcast brilliant Al without your appearance on Alan Davis show which I did three or four years ago I wouldn't have found out that my grandpa was in the 303 squadron my mum and I thank you and owe you a drink how about that so yeah. he's a Polish It would have been a Polish fighter pilot the Kanuska I mean, squadron Yep. That just the story of how those pilots got here. Yeah, no, no that's um, absolutely brilliant. Sort of getting yeah. into
1: Romania, then getting across and sort of working their way into France and fighting yeah. I mean a lot of them flew through in the um, French Army de l'air for a little bit. Yeah. Um and then yeah. had to sort of abandon their marines at Tours or somewhere or wherever and then yeah. get on a boat get to England. And then there was a the whole language thing. You know, yep. they weren't allowed to allowed to uh, be in a squad frontline squadron until they'd learned enough English. And one of the first first questions, they apparently went up to Liverpool, a lot of them, and they, they had their kind of language lessons. And one of the first things was sort of, you know, I don't have VD was one of the first lines <laughs> they had to learn. <laughs> um, but eventually, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, and Dowding was originally very very sort of against putting them in, not because they weren't fearless and brilliant pilots, but just because, you know, you need to coordinate your pilots. You, you, you yeah. can't have them sort of running amok. Um, and you need them to be able to understand sort of um, basic... Basic instructions, and they'd
0: be able to understand the ground controllers who don't speak, speak Polish. Um, well, yes, especially as the RAF had an integrated fighter control system and all that sort of. Of thing. course, so, the, so, so there's very good
1: reasons for not putting them in to start yeah. off with, um, but obviously yeah. when they do get in, they they they're very good because
0: they get up so close. I mean, you know, that's yeah. their thing; they're so sort of fearless. Yeah, because the the Polish Air Force itself, for the sort of day, <laughs> day or the short period it was in battle, didn't do badly given given its you know, uh, Has some pretty uh, rubbish point. numerical numerical disadvantage in terror aircraft. Yeah. yeah. No. No. I right. mean,
1: no. They were. They were. They were good. I mean, you know, the th- the thing about the Polish Air Force is is that all of them are professionals and all of them are really really highly trained. And what you find is that, I mean, I mean, it's very interesting. So, thirty two Squadron, for example, which is is yep. you know, it's British R F Squadron. Not one of the pre war regulars was was killed in the battle Britain. So they were shot really? down, but they survived. Whereas it's all the new guys who come in. So the, one yeah, of the yeah. one of the other reasons why 303 Squadron does so well, of course, is because they are already... They're all really experienced. We've, they've already got hundreds of hours in their logbooks, which is a massive yeah. advantage if you're some sprog who's just, you know, 18 and just joining, you know, 32 Squadron on 2nd of September
0: 1940. Yeah, yeah. Right, now... Um, Let's talk Sherman tanks. Oh, please, can we? It's, it's just um, I've got. I'll admit it. I've been on Wikipedia and I, I looked up um, variants of the Sherman tank because yeah. you know, and they are legion. Um, not just not just like bigger guns or different tracks or uh, or improved suspension, but you know, priests, kangaroos, uh, the recovery vehicles, the yep. the. the, the all the, all basically, and the Rams. The, the Rams um, are basically the Rams. The, um, all the self-propelled, all the self-propelled guns that, that yep. you know, The M10, not, not of just as a, yeah, the M10, exactly. The, the the Wolverine or the Achilles, depending on your taste. Um, uh, the, the Sherman is the the completely un, I think un, proper unsung. We use this word a lot. I think is one of the absolute unsung weapons of the of the Second World War. For me, Certainly, it's the best tank of World War Two. Absolutely, all out. And, of course,
1: if you lined up a Sherman tank against a Tiger tank on a football pitch and said, fire, obviously the Sherman's going to lose. But the point yeah. is, a tank in, in, a, in, a, in a global conflict is not just about thick armour and, and, and a big gun. Mm. It's about so much more. It's about maintenance of your supply. It's about keeping it going at the front. It's about ease of maintenance. And it is really interesting that when you look at both the Germans and the British in the early part of 1942, both of them are saying, OK, our tanks aren't quite up to scratch. What, what do we want? And the Germans yep. go through, and the, the Germans say, number one priority is big gun. Number second priority is armour. And kind of maintenance yep. and all that kind of stuff and reliability are a little bit further lower on the pecking order. On on the British tanks, number one is gun, but but number two is... Reliability, number three yeah. is ease of maintenance. And for me, that is absolutely the right prioritization. And what is really interesting about the Sherman tank is because its basic design features. Is completely repeatable and it and yeah. is it is able to be mass produced. Yeah,
0: so the so the sponsons on the on the suspension, that those the, 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 the volute suspension yes. is called, aren't they? You yeah. You that only changes that, in
1: 1945, right? Late. In, yeah. So they go to the
0: easy eight, which is the which yeah. is a, a, a slightly different suspension, which and it's called an easy eight because it gave you a better ride. You yes. You had a smoother ride in the tank. But but before <laughs> the second world war one is the one that you're yeah, talking about. But though. basically, you unsc- you you unbolt that, you take it off. You put another one on. And you can keep um, the tracks on at the same time. And you... Yeah. Okay, so if you want to... Try,
1: try try changing the, the suspension on a pamphlet tank.
0: Yeah, interleaving 30, wheels.
1: You've got yeah. something like 18 wheels that you've got to get off before you can even get... You've got to take off the track. You've got to take off 18 wheels. You've got to take off every single one to get to it before you can even start. The, the, you know, and there's other... But it was really good designs about, about you know, so all german all american wartime vehicles were based on the same principle that if you can if you can drive an automobile you can drive one of these vehicles and to drive so if you can drive a, if you can drive a 1938 chevy it will take you 5 minutes to learn how to drive a sherman tank that is the principle and what that means is is also you've got because they're the most automotive society in the world yeah in the 1930s What that means is you've got a lot more people who actually already know how to drive. But not only do they know how to drive, because of the familiarity of uh, American armoured fighting vehicles, the way they're laid out, the principles of them, the simplicity of them, it takes you no time to train them to get there. So when you get there, and because they're simple and and they're more robust and there's less moving parts to the whole thing, there's less that can go wrong and you've got more experienced people in them and they already know how to drive. So it's, it's like tick, tick, tick. And there's lots yeah. of interchangeable parts on, on American um, uh, armoured fighting vehicles, which you don't get on, on Germans, for example. And, and mm. just, just take, I mean, if you look at the, uh, the transmission of a Panther tank, it is so ridiculously complicated, it's not true. But if you, and if you, want, to ch- if you want to change the transmission on a Panther tank, basically you can't, unless you kind of send it well back and you've got vast amounts of, of heavy plant to kind of get into it and take the whole thing to pieces yeah. and huge amounts of man hours to do it. Whereas, if you want to change the transmission in a Sherman tank there 's a bit right that curvy front bit um, yep. uh, um which you can unbolt and you take that section you pull it out and you reach in you undo a few bolts and out comes the transmission and you put another one in and you know you can change an engine a multi bank engine in the back of a Sherman tank in two hours in the field if you need to
0: yeah yeah I mean, there are there are photos of of uh, if you if you if you 're curious about this. You can find on, on online where they where they crate they've got one engine being dropped in, the other one having been removed on a on a joist on a there's on a crane. There's even one in an, my book, Norman D. Forty Four. Well, there we are, there we are. There's one in your book. I mean, the, the the interesting thing about this as well is that this type is by 1942 is ready. It's it's done. That you've had the M3, the Lee and the Grant variants, which have the same uh, uh, sponson. Uh, same, same uh, hull, basically. Suspension, same hull, right? Yeah, and 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 they're making up their minds about whether you have a single turret or. Whether, well, the, really, the, it's, the, the just it's
1: just that the, the, the turret is just requires more engineering and requires yeah. more of a manufacturing process to make a yeah. fully rotational. And they're just not up to speed on that at that stage. Yeah. So it's a, a, the, the the lee stroke grant is a stopgap until they can upgrade mm. the basic chassis, yeah. which everyone's having. And when with, and when the lee's
0: the and turret. grant when, when the uh, uh, when the M3 arrives in the desert, the British are all immediately, oh my god, it's really reliable and yeah because they've been making they've been making do with covenanters and mm-hmm. crusaders and things that, that aren't reliable and that the, yes. the british have a problem making something reliable i mean after all one of the things one of the things that american industry's got going for it at this point is it's not be, it's not suffering air raids so it's not dispersed production no it's not under this um enormous immediate pressure of we need to knock some ta- types out in case there's a um in case there's an invasion because we've talked about this before about the the, the, you know, the six pounder anti-tank gun is actually ready in 1940, but the threat of invasion is, is taken seriously. So rather than produce six pound, re-engineer, re-gear and make six pounders, they stick with the two pounder, which then knocks on into tank design in the desert a couple of years later into, into 42 when British tanks have still got a two pounder. By which time the Panzer III yeah, and the yeah, Panzer yeah, IV are, yeah. Four you've, you've are, are absolutely- the nail on the head. Because one of the biggest problems of any change of
1: production is that you have to have new machine tools. And it is the machine yeah. tools to make it that are the problem because they're incredibly complex. There's, there's only a, a limited number of people that are making machine tools and they've got yeah. to make them in enough numbers and then you've got to train and change over the process from one type of production to a different type of production. So yeah. machine tools absolutely hold the key to everything. Which is why there is enormous sense in continuing with something if it works, i.e. the basic Sherman Hull, the basic suspension system. Let's just stick with this because... Um, we've already got the machine tools for that. So every time the Germans kind of change something, you know, the the, the Panther tank, the Tiger tank, they require entirely different machine tools, and it, and it's really complicated. So it's very interesting. You know, people say, well, you know, well, why? You know, Pershing was effectively ready, which is this fifty six ton heavy tank that the yeah. Americans produced, um, and the and the Comet that we had was was also um, uh, not the Comet. The um, uh, um, was it Centurion. Centurion, well, Centurion. yeah, yeah, it was it was a Centurion. 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 You know, they're yeah. all they're already kind of sort of good to go. But so why don't we have them in Normandy for example? Well the reason is is because they're really big and they don't fit on liberty ships in the same number that um, a Sherman tank does, and and what you really want is numbers. It's a, it's a, it's a quantity yeah. thing. You want you know the Sherman is a very very good tank. It can fire quicker than anything else on the move. It's got this gun stabilizing gyro, which means it's it's much more accurate on the move. It's got all sorts of advantages of familiarity, interchangeable parts, all the rest of it, blah blah blah. So all that is a massive tick in in, in combat. The other big thing, of course, is that when you're going forward you know you are you are chasing a retreating enemy and as they retreat every time there's a river or a ditch or something they're going to blow the bridge as they retreat to hold you up so you've then got to bridge that yourself and the most obvious and easiest way of bridging that is to use a class 40 bailey bridge which can take 40 tons so having something that's more than 40 tons isn't going to work because it's not going to be able to go across it whereas a sherman tank is 30 tons even when it's fully loaded can still get across a class 40 bailey bridge so that's another very good reason for having them and it means that if you stick with your shermans rather than having your pershings you can just have considerably more of them than you could yeah. ever have of 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 a, of a pershing or a, yeah yeah
0: yeah or a, yeah, or a, yeah. Or but guy. i mean the thing is is just, as true. a type it, it's so reliable and so uh because i've been I, I went to tel aviv a couple of years ago and at the, the israeli the idf uh, museum there they have the super sherman which is this thing from uh the six day war which is this mega upgunned. gunned sherman with a sort of amped up suspension and wider track and more armor and a bigger engine and a bigger gun but it's a sherman it's uh uh that that they're, they're they're clearly still rating them at that point as a as a as a sort of open-ended weapon system um uh, uh which which kind of points to the, that the american thinking on this was really well was was by nine basically by 1941 they they'd figured out what they wanted to do I and mean, it's it, it, it's really impressive, as, a, yeah, as a it is. Sort of project, it's amazing,
1: you know. And, and and compared to, I mean, there's no such thing as a kind of spacious tank in in the Second World War. But compared to the others, they, they are. And and what and what they what the Allies start to do, you know, there's very actually there's very very few tank on tank engagements, um, yep. um, in Northwest Europe. But they do exist, of course, and they do happen um and and you know it's not true that um you know Shermans can't knock out you know ordinary shermans with a with a seventy five millimeter main gun. It's not true that they can't knock out stuff. I mean Sergeant Dring of the Sherwood Rangers Yeomanry famously on the twenty seventh of June, just as they're coming out of the uh, out of um Pesnel up to the village of yep. Warroaches on this slight rise you know that crew with their ordinary sherman shoot and and destroy one to uh, one tiger two panthers and two mark fours in one day amazing yeah it is and the, the way you do that is because you've got a quicker firing gun and your your turret can traverse quicker than than either a panther or a, or a tiger what you do is you pummel the turret as quickly as you can with as many rounds as you can and what that does that makes the, the commander go into the turret and the yep. one thing I can say about having sat inside these ta- these German tanks is your visibility is diddly squat the moment you yeah. haven't got your head out of the turret. I mean, you can, you're, yeah. you're using periscopes, and your forward visibility is literally zero. I mean, you just yeah. can't see. So you're then completely discombobulated. You can't see what's doing. So what you do is you hammer. hammer the, the, you keep firing, guns, firing shots at the, um, at, the, uh, at the turret. That also produces smoke, so they can see even less than they could before. And then you manoeuvre yourself into a position where you can hit its more vulnerable parts. Yeah. and 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 that sounds incredibly straightforward, and of course it isn't in the heat of battle <laughs> but that is how you do it
0: yeah i mean i mean the really interesting thing is that is that once the Americans land on this type that they they and this is indicative of american of American Thinking isn't it? Industrial thinking is that right? We've got the thing that works. We're just going to stick. We're just going to stick with that. We're not going to. We're we we're, we're not going to waste our time and our resources, even though they're rich in resources. Although steel is obviously going into shipbuilding and and uh uh, uh so tanks aren't necessary. And obviously, shipping is the, the shipping is the priority for the allies. Actually, because otherwise, if the ship if you've got the ships, you can't get the tanks to to France or or to or to. Wherever, or you know, Okinawa, wherever you, you can't do it, and so once they've landed on this this simple, straightforward design, they go right. Well, we'll, st- we'll stick with that, and we'll we'll churn them out by. I mean, what is it? Forty five thousand. There's forty nine.
1: There's forty nine thousand, and there's seventy four thousand.
0: Of holes. the
1: hulls of the configurations. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely it? amazing. Yeah, the only thing that, that, that trumps that, of course, is a T-34. But the T-34 is not as versatile as the Sherman. It's not it's no. kind of sort of adapted as many things. And, it, you know, it's it's a four-man crew, not five. And, and you know, it is a, That's also not a brilliant Soviet, tank.
0: But it's not necessarily Soviet thinking either, is it, to have as open-ended a weapon system? Is it you've got a tank to be no, a tank? No, no, not at all. Not at all. But, yeah. I mean, it is very much to the advantage of... Of the allies that oh, they, I, I, they do I, stick I, with
1: this, and sometimes you know there are certain things where, where obviously you want to keep up to speed, and, and, and certainly with aircraft, you know once they become obsolescent, you know you might as well just yeah. ditch them. You know they're not you know, they're, they're, they're no good for anybody. But there is a there is definitely an advantage to the, the, the advantages of the of the Sherman tank. That ease of maintenance, that ability to maintain them at the at the, at the battlefront, um, all those sort of things. Its reliability, the speed of the gun, the the fact that it's got this gun stabilizing gyro, all these kind of things. These things really, really do outweigh the kind of. Having slightly less firepower than than some other other mm. tanks, and of course the problem you have every time you want to get a bigger gun in there, you've got to have a bigger turret, which therefore means by and large you've got to have a bigger hull as well, and that comes with a whole host of problems of weight yeah. and size and complication yeah. and all the rest what, of it. What did the Sherman cost God, compared I don't to? Know. I mean a, fr- a
0: fraction.
1: I mean, you know, just a fraction, because of course you've got economies of scale, because you know you're churning out so many of them, because you can mass produce them. And the key thing is, that, you know, any tank, any tank is incredibly complicated because there's a mass of parts. So what you want to do is to, you want to, because you've got to maintain it in the field, and because it's got to work in a combat scenario. You want your tank to be as simple as it possibly can be with a very complicated thing. Yeah, and of course, well, I've just, as we I've know, just, what
0: the Germans do is make incredibly complicated tanks and make them even more complicated. Well, I've just cheated, and a Sherman cost forty-five thousand to sixty-five, forty-four to sixty-four thousand dollars in today's to mind. make in nineteen forty-five. Nineteen forty-five, which, which dollars, today would be six hundred to nine hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, it's that cheap times for, ten, isn't it? I think bad times. That's cheap for a, that's cheap for a tank. Yeah. Whereas a whereas a tiger tank cost um a quarter of a million Reichsmarks. I don't know but I don't know what's the exchange rate there, I don't know. It's gotta uh, be more. Nuts. It's gotta be more. It's got it's more obviously more expensive. Yeah. I uh, it yeah. I mean I, I I I was always I was always um I always used to think, oh well, you know, the British types are more interesting, all that sort of thing. But it's the it's the Sherman that's the that's the, the 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 Allied tank that that you know you can't say it's the weapon that wins the Second World War because Eisenhower thought that was the Dakota anyway. I mean, uh, but uh, it is
1: it is an amazing tank. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It it's it's brilliant and it's it's I, people love Shermans, don't they? But I, I think it yeah. has been a little bit underappreciated. I just think it, I yeah. think for its all round for for you know if you were doing a top trump of tanks, you know you yeah. you know one of them would be Fear Factor. So that probably is a Seven, um, you know, productivity <laughs> nine, uh, reliability nine. Um, what else would you do? You know, wh- whereas if you were adding up and, and doing that with a tiger, obviously fear factor for a tiger would be like ten. Um, but, yeah. but 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 in terms of reliability, it's probably two, three. You yeah. know, so suddenly you know the Sherman's sort of building up top jump points in quite quite quick
0: order. But in an interesting way, I mean, after after the war, tank design. What happens in tank design? So, for instance, the Leopard in the sixties the germans they opt for something uh not heavily armored they go for something with a with a big enough gun on it but light lightly armored mm. maneuverable quick reliable because they have lost to an army of shermans and they're going we don't need this big fat these big fat um, uh, you know like porno tanks. Don't work. Yeah. What we needed, what we need is something like the thing that beat us. Yeah, and, and that, the T thirty four. Of course, that's the
1: point. of The tank destroyer battalions, which the Americans yeah. developed, these ideas yeah. of having these very very fast um, tracked vehicles with high velocity guns on. Which you know, in the case of the M eighteen, you know, the Achilles, you know, it's an open cockpit and all the rest of it, open turret, right. um, but it's got a whopping great gun on it. But the armor is skin thin. Yeah. But it can manoeuvre really fast, and, and yeah. you know, there's no question they do it. You know, it's a very, very highly mobile, very fast anti-tank gun. That's what it is. Yeah. It looks like yeah. a tank, but it isn't. But but yeah. they're very effective as well. Yeah. Well, so there we go. Big chick for that, American
0: oh, armoured fighting that's, vehicles. That, nothing beats a Sherman yeah. no, of it a doesn't. morning. Right, that's all for today, folks. Um, uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, do keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for some special podcast episodes that we'll be doing over the festive period. A bit of reading, a bit of literature for you. Yeah, bit of um, bulge, bit of bulge. Yeah, bit of bulge as well. See you soon. Cheerio. Cheers. Bye, James. Bye, bye.